Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Nace invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Nace. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today, I have a very special and talented guest, Cliff Beach, who is an author, an entrepreneur, a DJ, podcast host, just an all-around talented human being. Cliff, thank you for coming here and being a guest on my podcast. I know we're going to have a great time today. What I like to do is have you introduce yourself to my audience, like who who you are exactly and who, what it is you do. And then let's have fun and rock and roll. Thank you, Max. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing here in the space. And uh, yeah, just a quick intro for myself. I'm a Los Angeles funketeer, originally from the East Coast, Washington, DC, home of Go-Go and Chocolate City. I've been out in LA for 20 years working on music. I have a, depending on the day, eight to 10 piece funk band in Los Angeles. We're also the house band on Josh Case Tonight on Discovery Channel, Discovery Plus, and now the new Max. Uh, I have a regular Deeper Grooves podcast, which has five seasons, 50 episodes out, interviewing musicians on music that has now forayed into a radio hour every Saturday night in Los Angeles and beyond in the archive. Um, for 88.5 FM, the SoCal Sound, KCSN, KSBR. And so super excited to just, oh yeah, I dropped the book as an author in the last year. So Side Hustle and Flow is out, really just taking my last 20 years of music and being able to provide hope to people that, uh, you know, no matter where they are, they can start and start living their dreams, start living passion start uh, learning the skills of time management and setting goals to be able to really attack life, to happen to life and to be able to invest in themselves and invest their time versus spending their time. And that's, I love that you said that. So this will give me segue into this, right? So, right. Becoming a a success in music or anything like that in this day and age, right? It's so difficult, right? So like someone who becomes popular, right? They go, oh, that guy's an overnight success. Well, they don't see the years of sweat, you know, blood, sweat, and tears that they went through. So tell my audience some of the challenges you've gone through in your career that have got you to where you are today. And, and uh, you know, writing a book, becoming a successful author and DJ and radio host, because we know it's not it's not a straight line. So tell them some of the stuff you've gone through, Cliff, to get you i mean we smile and laugh about it now but i bet you there's days you just had those where you want to throw your computer across the room like i do sometimes and you know smash all your records and go this is not worth it right yeah i mean that definitely happens you know i've learned now that uh dream is a word that starts with d but to have a dream there's some some other words that start with d that are going to follow and they're called difficulties dead ends, <laughs> disappointment, <laughs> because <laughs> right. it, it's hard. It's hard. I tell people now to do music in this day and age, you have to be uh, a crazy person. You have to be insane. You have to be weird because normal, I think, is is to be uh, to do you know regular things that anybody could do. All the people that you remember and admire 
are crazy people. You look at a Richard Branson, crazy person. Let's let's do all these different industries and, and, and tackle them all. Let's look at the Wright brothers and be like, we're gonna make airplanes when that wasn't a thing. Or Henry Ford, like, we're gonna make cars. Like those were all novel things that now we take for granted. You look at things like Uber or Airbnb. Airbnb started with an air mattress on someone's floor. They're now like a billion dollar company. So um it's it's possible to to do that and we've seen that but it's not necessarily just about making the money i think people will learn more from my struggles than success for sure i started 20 years ago uh trying to uh, audition and get on american idol i thought that was gonna be my hot ticket and quickly i learned uh my dreams were dashed they essentially after a few rounds kicked me off and i thought my life was over but then i realized well, one, I got real angry, which I think was helpful because it became the catalyst. And I said, you know what? If you want to be the captain of your own ship and the master of your own fate, you want to call your own shots. And what I mean by that is like now you can, you don't have to wait to be greenlit by anybody else because nobody's going to see your vision. You think about the Wright brothers. Wright brothers, their father was a pastor and he told them, you'll never be able to make this work. You know, so if your parents don't believe in your dream, you still have to keep going. He was at Kitty Hawk and had to eat his words and he saw that plane get off the ground. But if they went with the first critic that said, you can't do it, or had that own negative self-talk for themselves, we wouldn't be flying around the world now. So, I mean, people have limited thinking for sure. So that was another thing that I learned is like, you have to adopt a growth mindset, which I didn't have words for this at the time, but essentially you have to have a can-do attitude. You have to start saying, how can I do this? There's going to be people that you don't know and things that you don't know all the time. But when you start initially broadcasting, I have this dream and uh, I, I need people to help me, then then the help will come if you right. keep putting your feet out there and that kind of thing. So yeah, the struggle, American Idol didn't work out. But then I started my first band. My first band did some cool stuff. But really in the last decade is when I started to really put intention uh, in my life. That happened when I was around 30. Now I just turned 40. And so in the last 10 years, I said, I want to, I had a document where I said, I want to make 10 albums in 10 years. And I did 2013 to 2022. I did 10 releases and some singles and other stuff. One of our singles, you know, went viral enough almost to a million streams now, but that's not to pat myself on the back. It wasn't easy. Anything worth having is going to have difficulty is going to have blood sweat and tears and hopefully that's all the fluids you get i'm sure there are more but it's funny because it really takes uh what they call grit you you have to persevere to a point past the feeling people love the feeling the honeymoon phase anyone can do it when it's easy right. when you have to get out there and it sucks and it keeps sucking and it sucks a long time that's a very specific type of person who has built a foundation that they're not easily shaken. You look at Amazon, which is a juggernaut of business. They started years ago with books, which was very unsexy. And seven years, <laughs> seven years, they never turned a profit. And he kept, Jeff Bezos kept telling all the stakeholders and shareholders, I'm not giving a dividend. I don't care. We're investing in the technology. And not everybody saw the vision to that right. level. But again, it's like you, you toil in the night while other people are sleeping to get ahead. That's how you are able to move the needle forward for yourself. And that happened to me many, many stories I could tell you. Right. And see, and that's, you, I, I love that you touched on that, right? Because you know, there's probably part of my audience that goes, Cliff, that's easier said than done, right? Like my brain's always telling me that to quit or, right? Or he's so much better than me that like, how am I going to keep up with this guy? Or, you know what I mean? But I like what you said, right? It's all, it's about you and setting that intention 
right? And no matter how hard it gets, you can't quit on yourself. I say that, and me and other guests have talked about that. It's that's when you know you have grit, right? You might get knocked down, but you get back up, you brush yourself off, right? Uh, mm -hmm. For example, one of the guys that I follow, that I look up to, that I think is amazing, right? And he's pretty blunt about it, is Andy Frisella, right? He owns First Form uh, Supplement Company. But he'll mm -hmm. tell you, he goes, I made $50,000 my first 10 years, period. That's all I made. I could have quit. I could have said, this ain't working, right? He goes, but I wouldn't quit on myself. And I just kept going. And I knew that if I kept working on myself, right? Because... That's, you know, they might say that to you, well, Cliff's like an overnight success. Well, they don't know the 20 years that you've put in to doing your work and becoming very good at your craft, right? Because it's easy for us to judge someone and see, oh, well, I see him kicking butt on Spotify, right? He has this or, you know, he's doing all this. He wrote a book. But, you know, we, like you said, we need to let people know. And I think this is great that you mentioned that is it's that grit, right? And it's true, though. We know some people are not going to have that grit because as soon as it gets difficult, they're like, I'm out. I quit. But the ones who stick in no matter what, like yourself, and, and I like say like me, like I'm not giving up. I don't care. But Colonel Sanders mm -hmm. got rich at 67. So if it takes me to 68, I'm going to do the same thing, right? So, right? Give, if you could, the audience like a couple of you, like your low lows where you went, like where you were almost like that close to going, I'm quitting. And then I love what you said. It's surrounding yourself with the right people, right? And and, and being in the right place at the right time and, and asking for help, right? And when that moment happened for you where you said, I don't care, I'm not quitting. I got good people around me and I'm going to keep going. So if you could tell my audience some of that story. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard it said best, the greatest salesman. He said, I'm an amazing salesman. You know, I had to sell my car, sell my house, sell my phone. <laughs> and that's how I, that's how I felt. When I finished my MBA at Pepperdine in 2010, I, you know, I got out of school and we were just coming out of the 2008 mortgage crisis recession oh, yeah, and the jobs, the jobs weren't there. And this was before you had all these kind of ride sharing apps where you could kind of gig economy. It was a little too premature for that. And so essentially I ran out of money, ran out of, you know, the money left over from my school loans. And then, and then, yeah, I hit. I hit rock bottom, which I guess is like a false bottom. It's like, you think it's the bottom and then it drops and there's still more to go. Um, <clears throat> you me. got the blues, you look up and you can't see nothing but your shoes. That's how low you are to the crown. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was tough. I remember I had to give up, uh, I had to sublet my apartment to a friend who took it over and I was just kind of crashing on couches at the time. And it was a low point. I really was like, wow, you know, I had, all these great ideas and education and talent. I just couldn't figure out how to put it together. It's like you're standing in a kitchen and one guy is making this cake and you're like, I have the same flour and eggs, but like, I just can't put it together, you know? And so <laughs> right. I ended up getting sued by all my creditors and I had never been sued before. And nobody walked me through life 101 of what this meant. So eventually like, you know, as you zoom out of it, I was like, okay, let's, figure out how we can settle this and pay it off. And I cleared up, you know, $10,000 worth of debt. Eventually when I got to working and, and I built up a whole new career and a whole new industry, but yeah, at the time, I think the only thing that didn't allow me to crumble is you look at Pandora's box, right? Pandora's box, all this chaos comes out into the world and it's terrible. But at the end, 
of that story, the last thing that comes out that's very small that they could cling to is hope. Yeah. And hope was the only thing that kept me going. And the, the great thing about it is that through your pain, through your mess, that eventually you can turn into a message, I was able not only to help myself clear up this debt, but then work with very underserved communities teaching financial literacy, the stuff that I didn't know. Even business school didn't teach me about like, uh, you need to, like people would say like, live within your means. That sounds good as a soundbite, but if no one walks you through life of what that actually is, right? I didn't know what that meant. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't make to a certain level, you can't. You know what I mean? It's not like you could be trying, but like, let's say you're living and you're at like the poverty level, 20,000, 30,000, whatever, and right. you're in LA, one of the most expensive cities, you can't, you can't live within your means at that level. It's just, you have to reach a certain point, but nobody walks you through the steps of how you do that. How do you become more valuable and sticky and come up with ideas that you can monetize and, and ways to pivot and, and understanding markets and how they change and you know, there's a job market and there's a labor market and there's, you know, the, the market for your services and all those things. So I was very happy and fortunate that I was able to dig myself out and not to come to that. And then from that, the more you go and help other people, the more you learn and grow. Yes. But at the same time, there's like such a great feeling that I was like, if I could go back to my younger self, I could have been exponentially better. So I'm going to tell you. That's why I tell people all the time, find a mentor because somebody has made those mistakes and you don't have the lifespan to make them. Go learn from their mistakes. That's why I have no problem being transparent and telling you every struggle I had, if it helps you not have to have that struggle and you can be 5, 10x faster than I was because I wish I knew a lot of things. And I learned through the bumps, but now from the book or however podcast you can learn and and speed through that process absolutely and see and this is okay so you always seen divine intervention right because the other day when i was going i need a really good guest right then all of a sudden i got nicole's and then your email and i'm like see god shows up on time right because when i'm thinking about that stuff my belief in god right he always puts it in my way right and it's up to us to either accept it and right and part of your success is that failure right which i try to tell people and entrepreneurship or you know what i mean i'll always liken it to my recovery right i've been clean and sober for over 19 years right and i've i've you know like you quit drinking right and i i decided like i want a better life because this life is not it's gonna you think that bottom is your shoes is bad right we know what's after that right like i don't yeah. want to go there but i like how you touched on that right because helping people as my friend calls it being a go-giver is the the payoff on that is priceless, if, like you yeah. said, right? Because when you know you've helped someone and they give you that look like, you know what I mean? They're just like, oh, they want to give you a big hug. And and it doesn't have to be anything big, right? Just putting your hand out and telling someone and being kind to someone and, you know, saying, hey, let me show you how to do it this way instead of that way. So you don't keep like smashing your fingers with a hammer or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, is is huge, right? And And the people that I surround myself with, are guys like you who preach that to me, Max, you'll get so much more out of helping others than you will ever get from them helping you. Right. And you sharing your story about, you know, one thing I want to mention is that I wish schools were different, right? Cause they don't teach us that stuff. Yes. We have mm -hmm. to learn math and English, but they don't teach us the, 
you know, business, like how helping others will help you get what you want. And, and like you said, like going to college, right? Some, I know friends who went to business, you know, got their MBAs and they're like, there's a lot of things that I didn't learn in school that I'm learning actually like on the job training, right? Where, oh, this guy didn't teach me this in school. This professor didn't tell me about if this happens, this was going to happen or, right? And yeah, um, definitely. So, I mean, you've gone through the experience, right? And, and it's like, even when you're applying for school, they don't really teach you how to like, okay, you should take these loans. And when you pay for school and you get this money, you put it back and right. It's almost like investing in yourself, right? They don't tell mm -hmm. you to put it back. They just want you to spend the money so that you got this big loan you got to pay back at the end of school, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So I heard you say that you you help others, right? Like in your journey. So when did that come about? Like, were you at your lowest when you said, I'm just going to help someone? Was it to get your mind off your own troubles? And then you realize that this is actually pretty cool. I'm going to keep going, right? So like, and how has that evolved today and what you do today? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. I realized halfway through getting my MBA that I was like, yeah, this was not what I thought it was going to be. As, as much as I love what I learned, I was like, the structure, as you say, for school is odd. There's three things that you're hitting on, and then we'll get to helping people. One is you do take these loans a lot of times, which really you're mortgaging your future. And they always explain like, well, you'll make more in the long run. It's like, yeah, that's true. But I have to make it through the short run. And that could right. be a long time. The <laughs> second, the second uh, thing about that, like for business school specifically, getting your MBA, it's all theory. Why wouldn't it be structured where I have my business plan day one, it's up and running in the middle and it's profitable by the end. That's what business school should be. It should be, how do I, if I'm creating a business, I should have that opportunity. If I'm just learning what other people have done and no real practical application, you know, everything works in theory, communism works in theory, but it's like, you know, everything on paper is great, you know, but then I have to like take it into the real world. And right. like, this is not, this is not what I thought. And then third, you look at someone like Sir Ken Robinson and his TED talk talking about education reform as a creative person. Creativity is beaten out of most of us through our school system. So you ask kids at kindergarten, hey, like who wants to sing? Who wants to dance? Who thinks they can draw and color or whatever? Everyone raises their hand. They're super excited. By the time you get to the end of school at 12th grade, you ask less than 5%, 3%, 1% will raise their hand. Nobody wants to stick out. Nobody wants to make waves, you know, and, you know, there's a few weirdos that are just like, okay, I'm, I'm weird. I'm going to do this. But we need more. We need more creative people. We need more people who just know how to think. Like now we've created a whole generation of basically the Jetsons, people who can push a button. I'll go to like a, a Starbucks and be like, hey, can you make this off menu thing? And they're like, I can't. All they know is what they've been trained to do. All they can do is push a button. If it doesn't work, they just freak out. They, they don't know any way to circumvent anything. And they're not allowed any autonomy to be able to do that. They've watered right. down what we expect of people. And we've created, in some instances, a tipping culture that's automated, which means that I used to have to be good to deserve getting extra on top of my job. Now it doesn't matter. And so if you're automatically getting a tip, whether you were good or not, then you have now de-incentivized anybody to become better because it doesn't really matter anymore. So, and, and it creates a sense of entitlement. So that's the education portion. Now, in terms of helping people, as I started to get out and crawl out uh, of all the circumstances, 
in 2010, I said, you know, let me help people. And it was twofold. One, to help myself, because I think you do have to shift the focus off yourself because it's so painful when you're going through a lot, but somebody else is going through something else. So for me, to be like, oh, I lost my money. I still had a place to live. I still had food. I still had people who came and checked on me. And I, you know, I still had a car and that stuff. So it was like, it could have been much, much worse. Because there are some people, even someone like aging out of foster care, they have no one. No one helps them walk through life. So, and, and I, you know, it's like I had parents and I had love and I had hope and I had an education, but I knew I'd be able to fall back on at some point. I had to figure out what to do with it, but I had an education that other people didn't have. So you have to, you have to be aware of that. And then from there, when you go to help somebody, in most cases, I just need to help them with a little bit that I understand. Like if they don't know that and that's a realization to them and I was able to present that info to them and I'm only like a week ahead of them, it doesn't matter. As long as they're getting a week of information they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, then that's a win. And then from there, as I started to speed forward, the last couple of years I've been doing mentoring both on the music side and on just the life side. I've had so many friends that have gone through uh, divorce or something where it's like you, they need just someone to walk them through life, just to be there with them. And sometimes I don't have anything comforting to say, but just being there and being a support, it's like, I see you. Or even helping people to say, hey, just work on like little goals, underwhelm yourself to just get yourself on track. You know, I was right. in Joshua Tree a week ago and uh, zenning out. I was in the park. It was like, it's my first time really going hiking like that. And they're like, okay, you can get lost easily, which I did. And so I asked some people, like, hey, like, where's the path? Where's the path? And eventually, like, they're like, okay, go here, go here. And eventually, like, I saw all these footprints and I thought that was the path. But it was just other people who made the same mistake. Like, I was trapped out there. <laughs> right. And, you know, and so eventually, like, the right people came and told me the right path. And eventually, I got back to my car. And I was like, I feel like that was like God sending me this metaphor that it was like, there is a path. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. But the whole thing is that at certain points, I thought I was on the path. But then right. actually, I wasn't on the path. You know, but it looked like the path. It smelled like the path. I saw footprints. <laughs> I thought it was the path and it right. wasn't. And so it's like life can be like that. But it's like we're here to uh, to, to help each other. There's like a proverb. I don't know. I think Asian, but essentially it's like heaven and hell. And like everybody has these really long spoons and they're like trying to feed themselves with a spoon. They're too long. But like in hell, like nobody's eating and they're just grumbling and hungry. And like in heaven, everyone is feeding each other. That's the way they figured out how to do it. It's right. like, it's the same way. It's like feeding yourself is just like a gluttony thing. It's like, you want to help people. And as a business, it's like you want a million dollars, help a million people. You solve your problems, you solve someone else's problems. Believe me, somebody will pay for that. You can market and monetize that. And even if you can't, even if it's just a hobby or it just makes you feel good, that intrinsic feeling that you get from knowing that you really affect the change and help somebody, you've changed a life mentoring, even just, you know, giving a kind word to somebody. It's, you can't take it for granted. We live no. in such a, a, a negative forest society in some ways. You, you might be the one positive thing that happened to somebody in their day, saying hello, smiling at them, asking how they're doing, listening to them. Active listening is something we don't really focus on. So it's like, we're always trying to get a word in. We're not hearing the next person. So it's like, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Nobody's going to become Mother Teresa, probably. You know, very few. You're not going right. to be able to do that. Some people just naturally are like little angels on earth. But can you be that in your 
family, you know, can you give your kid or your mom or somebody? It's like, just because it's generationally, like my parents need encouraging words for me. It's not like just because they have it all together. They're humans just like I am. Right. And so it, it, it's a feedback loop. It flows both ways. And so you have to realize like you're, you're a part of an ecosystem. You're not an island. That's why I tell people all the time, there's no such thing as self-made. That's a marketing term. Sounds good and editorial, but who did you sell to? Like, how would you have done this if you were just by yourself? Who would you have talked to? Right. And I, I love that, right? Because if, if you think about the big picture, right? Like no one got here being an island, right? And, and as you know, Cliff, like you live in LA and you see it in the news and you hear it. I mean, the world is so divided today just because of the politics that our politicians are playing, right? And trying to separate us to believe one way or believe another way. And I believe just like you, right? If I'm at the gas station and I'm walking up and I open the door for someone and say, hi, or how's your day going? You never know what that person may be going through. You might've been the brightest light they saw that day, right? Because it's so easy to fall in and be negative and point the finger at everybody else. But like I say, in my recovery, they always said, Max, remember when you're pointing your finger, you got three pointing back at you. So watch when you're pointing, right? But my favorite quote, ever is jesse jackson right when he says you only time you're ever looking down on someone is when you're helping them up and i live by that right and there's some literature that that you know and going to me i'm going to AA for a long time right there's a part of our literature that says if there's anyone anywhere cries out for help let the hand of AA be there and for that i'm responsible but i use that in bigger terms right and my sponsor made me do that right after my last relapse he goes oh no 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 max you don't get a choose and pick you don't get to pick and choose who you help. If it's there, you're going to do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I yeah. had my butt kicked enough to go, he's right. Like I caught it, quit thinking of myself and, you know, yeah, there's certain things that you have to be selfish about, like self-care and making sure you're taking care of yourself. Right. Cause if you know, Cliff, right, we cannot pour from an empty cup. We always got to right. make sure that we're doing our stuff so that yeah. we can be that mentor and I love when I have guests that are telling me that they mentor people and, you know, they're always trying to help someone no matter how big or little it is, right? Because a friend of mine always tells me, and he's a very good friend of mine, he always says, um, be a go-giver, right? And lean into the suck, right? Because you never know, because there's a lesson you may need to learn when you're leaning in. And sometimes there's that lesson within the lesson that's going to help you grow to that next but if we're so focused on ourselves and being selfish and me, 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 right? Like we, I'm sure you know people like that. I know people like that, right? As you, I don't hang around them, but you know what I mean? Like that's our examples of going, okay, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go by Cliff and go hang out with Cliff. And, you know, maybe if I rub up on him enough, he'll, he'll, he'll rub off on me and we can go help more people if you know what I mean. Okay. And that's, that's right. <laughs> I had to laugh when you were talking about the desert because I've been in that thing too, where I see a bunch of footprints and I'm just going in a circle realizing going, oh, those are just other people that were going in a circle too. <laughs> Ask for help, right? And one of my things that I have learned in my recovery and as an entrepreneur and in personal development is don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I read this book by Dr. Brene Brown, who it's called The Power of Vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, us as men, right, we're not taught to be vulnerable, at least when I was growing up, right? It was suck it up. 
You know, mm-hmm. if you're crying, you want me to give you something to cry about, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. mom, you just whip my butt. Now you're telling me you're going to make me cry again. You get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. They, they knew what to do with the tools they had and what they grew up with, right? And it's guys like you and I that get to be different, right? Because I'm telling you, I'm 55 years old and I haven't seen the world like this ever, right? In this day and age, right? So it's my job to leave that legacy for my children and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren, because Mm -hmm. I want them to look at guys like you and me and go, those were stand up dudes, right? They always did what they say they were going to do when they said they were going to do it. They were helpful, right? They never turned their backs on us. Right. And if I asked grandpa something, I knew he was always going to shoot me straight. Right. And that's the legacy I want to leave. And I'm sure that's what you want to do. Right. And then your mentorship Mm -hmm. and, and creating the music that you do. So, so now like what brought you to write that book, right? How, how did you come to go? I'm going to write this book about side hustle and flow and, and, and creating stuff. So how did that come about? Well, it was my pandemic project. So it started in 2020 pandemic happened and we said, oh, this won't last very long. And then slowly we realized, okay, this is, this is going to be a little bit longer than we thought. And so I had, as a musician, had all my gigs canceled. So we had flooded to social media, was working on doing like Instagram lives and Facebook lives. I, I didn't love it, but I did like a handful enough where CNN picked it up. And then I became like a, a spokesperson for what musicians were doing in the pandemic, even though I wasn't doing much, but there was so <laughs> little going on. It was like my little bit seemed exciting enough for CNN. And so from there, I was like, I, I know myself. So I know like idle hands, if I don't have something to do, I'll go crazy. Like there were months where I didn't see really anybody. And so I was like, this is the perfect time to finally write a book, which I had wanted to write for the last years. You know, USA Today said 85% of people want to write a book. I can tell you like very few will. It's very hard. Yeah, but I know. I, I know. knew, right? But I knew yeah. at the time I was seeing all these like reports that were like, you know, everybody's giving free classes, go take a free class. So I was like, Scribe Media was giving like a full class on how to write a book. Soup to nuts, start to finish, walked you through a video thing of everything. And they help oh, wow. people like they help people like Tiffany Haddish and David Coggins write their books. So I said, oh, let me let me figure out how to outline and get this right. And so I just one day called my mom and called my my ex-girlfriend at the time and I said, I'm gonna write a book. I I feel like I have to have something that I know I can pour a year of my life into to push these ideas out of my head because an idea in your head is great, but you got to pull it. A CD jig says out of your head and in front of your face, you know, so people can, can see it because, you know, otherwise it's just going to help you alone, which is good, but not great. So originally the book was called from full to fulfilled. I wanted to figure out why do people have fulfilling lives and other people just have like mediocre lives. You know, right. but from the same set of circumstances, you know, it's like a lot of people who have become millionaires or or whatever. I just realized that people were not living passion filled or purpose driven lives. And they that, you know, for me, I knew I always wanted to do music. And the thing is, is we have this mentality of perfection or all or nothing. It's like either you do music full time or you don't. You know, that's how people felt. And, and I think that's a disservice because I work full-time, I'm vice president of a company, and I work on music full-time. And I don't have to choose. Why does it have to be an if or only situation? It doesn't, but people think that. So right. then it's like, you know, 
you could build this thing on the side and bootstrap it. And maybe that does become your main thing. Maybe it doesn't. The thing is, is that by having that full-time job, it allowed me to be able to fund all these projects. There were all these albums, get stuff out there and have fun and feel fulfilled that I wasn't going to get fulfilled from work, but I enjoy work. So it's like, why did I have to pick and choose? Or why, do, why is it feast or famine? Like, why do I have to be a starving musician? I don't want to miss a meal. Like, why do I have to do that? And so there is that all or nothing mentality and perfectionist mentality that I think will, will limit what people can do. At the same time, sometimes it has nothing to do with, with that kind of music. Like in the book, I talk about, I was looking for a job and then this group of people seeking jobs at the time. And I met a person who was like, I'm happiest when I'm salsa dancing. And I said, well, if you know what makes you happy, you should be salsa dancing as much as humanly possible, as much as you can afford to do. Why not that? What is keeping you from doing that? If that's what makes you happy. He's like, yeah, I just don't have the time. I was like, you you have nothing but time. Because if if you're spending 99% of the time and it doesn't make you happy, you need to have at least 1% of happiness in life. I mean, that's just a given. But people are so ingrained. It could be cultural. It could be whatever. Like I've met people who are like, I love music, but I got to give it up. I have to get married. I got to do this kid thing. I can't do this anymore. It's like, there are people who had kids and did it too, you know, have your cake, eat it too, but have kids do it too. It can be that catalyst. Sometimes living for somebody else helps you to be able to do things, you know, to push further than you would have, have done. But the main thing is that whether you make money, you don't make money, whether you do it a lot or a little, you should do it to some extent. I right. was just trying to get people to think like, first of all, that's half the people who know what it is. If you know what it is and you're not doing it, stop, start doing it. That's it. If you don't know what it is, you owe it to yourself to ask self-discovery questions, which you have to be quiet to hear your inner voice to know what to do. And we're so jockeying for attention with all these mm-hmm. marketing messages and push notifications and emails and texts and other stuff. Like we already know we're so distracted. We have no clue. Like what's right. going on? We're we're doing we're doing so many low level tasks that could be pushed off to somebody else, or like what's called like our BCD tasks, not our A tasks. It's like you you can become more efficient when you sit down with pen and paper and say, what are my what are my goals? What do I want to do? But nobody teaches you that. Nobody says, okay, if you like, okay, I want to do this. Great. Okay, walk me through it. You know, like Susie Orman on her CNBC show, she's like, okay, you you think you can afford this? Show me the money. Let's talk it through. It's like everybody should be showing the the steps of what they think at this point will take if they have a goal, right? The goal right. at the top and then figure out what I need to do and who I need to know and how can I make this work. But if you're not if you're not goal setting, like how how do you measure that you've been successful or not? It's like you could be climbing a ladder that's against the wrong wall the rest of your life, unless you ask, is this the thing? But at the same time, you got to start making steps because sometimes you can't see at that level if it's right or not. Right. So I got to go with what I know at the time. But as I know more and become better, I can do better. That's the goal is that I want to be better than yesterday's clips. I'm not trying to be better than yesterday's max. Just yesterday's right. clip. That's it. Because right. that's the thing. When you look at the Bible, and you have the parable of the talents. One guy had five. And he was able to make that ten. One guy had two. He was going to make that double at four. The guy who had five and two, they never looked into each other's buckets and said, oh, I wish I had more or less. They don't care. I only work what I was given. The only one that was cast out is the one who had one who buried it, who was like, you were too stupid to even put this in the bank and gain interest. Right. God will never come to you and say, I'm going to ask you 
with to deal with this five talent person because you're not a five talent person. Doesn't make you less than. Just says, look, if you have one, work the mess out of your one. You have two, work the two, work the two. You have five, work the five. But the thing is that if you're not working any, that's that one guy. Right. Don't don't not do anything. Do something, and as you're doing that something, you know it'll start to reveal itself to you over time. Right. And that's one thing that I've learned in this process of becoming an entrepreneur and in my recovery, right, is uh, right surrounding myself with people are learning and reading books, right? Like there's people like the greats even focused on that one thing first, right, until they got really good at it. They didn't try to do 10 or 20. They focused on one, got really good at that. Then they had someone else continue that for them. And then they learned the next thing, right? And mm-hmm. and if you think about it, like all the greats that I know of, like that's how they do it. They just they what they what I've gathered from the readings I've done and the st- you know people I've watched is they get good at what they're doing right at that moment, and they make sure they become an expert at that before they learn the next thing they need to do to help them become better. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like David Goggins, right? You mentioned him, right? That guy is off the charts, right? We know he. But he started just like any of us, right? And that was putting that bike in his living room and just getting on it and starting at point A, right? And getting better every day and pushing himself a little bit farther, right? And and he, like you said, he didn't see, he didn't get on that bike and said, I'm going to be better than Cliff tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be better than Max, right? He's like, I got to be better than David. And mm-hmm. uh, and as if you read his book, you know, the guy went through some amazing and some crazy stuff in my, and you know, like I told him once, when I first read his book, right, on I think it was on Facebook and he had a group or whatever, I typed in there and I said, hey, Mr. Goggins, I said, I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. And I said, but anybody that runs like you do, I do pro bono counseling. If you ever need it, right, being funny. And I put it out there in the universe. Maybe he saw it and laughed. But I, you know, but I, I know guys that, you know, around here in my neighborhood, they go run in the hills and stuff. And I always tell them, I go, I'll counsel you for free because there's something wrong with you up there but i go hey more power to you if that's what you love to do then like you said if that's you got something you love to do go do it right life is too short not to do it mm-hmm. and um so like this is my passion right is interviewing guys like cliff and going man i'm gonna pick his brain i'm gonna have him share his you know in my case experience strength and hope so that he can show other people like Despite the challenges he went through, here he is on Max's Fearless Happiness podcast, and he's sharing hope with everybody. That see, and the only thing I don't like about the secret, and if you, they tell you right, okay, put your thoughts out there. Yeah, that's great, but you said one thing that is so important. Then you got to plan and put the work in. You got to start working toward that. And I wish the secret would have kind of touched on that instead of just going, "Hey, if I think about a million dollars, Cliff, I'm going to get it right," because the secret told me so. But we know that doesn't happen, right? Um, yeah. But we do know that thoughts become things, right? And if you work towards and then you keep those positive things going in your mind, you'll become that author. You'll become that DJ. You'll become that radio host, musician, or whatever. And one thing that I was listening to you, and it's sad because I think about it now. You're right. When we're little, probably from kindergarten until I would say third or fourth grade, right? We're all excited and we want to be creative. Then it seems as we get older in school, they just beat that out of us, right? Like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that unless you're this type of person or you can't do that if you're this or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, so 
I don't know. You've touched on some really cool stuff and I, I know my audience is going to gain a lot of value from it. So thank you for, for uh, sharing that. But I love what I like to ask um, a couple of my questions that I like, right? My book is called <laughs> fearless happiness, the same as my podcast. I like to start with fearless. So Cliff, what does fearless mean to you and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? I love that question. It's funny because people will look at me and they say, oh, you're you're an anomaly, you're a machine, you're this or that. I'm not, I'm human. And so people think that people that are successful are, are fearless. I don't think you can actually become fearless. I think it's hardwired into like the back of our brain from our ancestors, that fear is a, a necessity and important. I think the difference of a person who's successful versus not is that they're able to feel the fear and do it anyway or do it scared. And we know now that there are differences between the genders. You know, a man needs 30% of knowledge to say, yes, I can do this. A woman needs statistically 70%, you know? So there's a difference there that, that we don't talk about. It doesn't mean that's less than, it's just, you know, we're wired differently. And, and there's reasons why we balance each other in that way. But the important thing is that you don't need to see the whole staircase to take that first step as Martin Luther King said it, because right. you're always going to be scared. Right. If it's not scary, it's not big enough. And if you really have a big dream, you're going to need somebody else. But if we're all scared together, there's safety in numbers. It's better than yeah, being alone, right. which is why I say again, nobody is self-made. You look at someone like one of the Kardashians, they say, oh, she's the youngest self-made person. I said, who bought all this makeup? Did you buy billions of dollars of it? I don't think so. It was like, and you also had a TV show that was like, a spokesground for people right. to watch you and and you know whatever so i'm not throwing shade on what you've done i'm saying but you need to have the the awareness that it takes it takes a village of all things you know they have the african pro proverb that says like you know if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together we right. need each other we Absolutely. need each other and i think that's the part of it but the beauty of it is that as you start to feel the fear and move forward the closer you get to the fear usually the less scary it becomes because you you become different. You know, I tell everybody one of my favorite books is a, a series of books called The Chronicles of, of Prydain. It's very much like a Lord of the Rings, but I think Welsh mythology. Unfortunately, Disney made a horrible movie of the Black Cauldron, which they killed that whole series in the 80s. But importantly, there's a fourth book called Turan the Wanderer. That's the protagonist or the main character. And in that, he's looking for this mirror, looking for this mirror, doesn't know what it is, this magic mirror that's going to show him the future. And he finally, at the end of the book, gets to this brook, looks down into this reflecting pool, which he finds later is the mirror. And all he sees is himself. But he's like, you know what? I'm older than I was when I started this, you know, in the really? book. And it's like, that's it. It's like, it's like dream on with Aerosmith. You know, these lines on my face are getting clear. It's like he became something through the struggle, through the process, through the fears, but pushing through. It's the person who has the fear and does nothing that ends up doing a disservice. Brene Brown, who you mentioned, she says, Darren Grayley does that whole yeah. uh, Teddy Roosevelt. It's the person bludgeoned by circumstance in the ring that 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 we remember. You know, right. you got to be that Rocky getting out there. You look at Stallone. Stallone was Rocky. Stallone sold his dog outside the liquor store. You know, he yeah. he did. He knew his worth to not sell his script alone. He said, this is tied to me. I am this person. I am the underdog. And, you know, and he had his own set of, of uh, uh, upbringing and, 
deformities and, and speaking, you know, weird and that, and that kind of thing, you know, and that's tough. That's tough for people to overcome. But, you know, doing something in Hollywood, doing music, doing this podcast, there's a fear. What if people don't like me? What if people think this is terrible? What if nobody listens? You know, that's what everybody says. When you write the book, and I took the Scribe Media course, they talk about fear. And they talk about everyone says, what if I have nothing, you know, important to say? You don't. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing anybody put in a book that's any different. You, you as the filter is different. It makes it unique. But the actual stuff you're saying, time management hasn't changed. You need to, you know, budgeting hasn't changed. Those, those things are not new. But, but uh, again, so fearlessness for me is, it's not a true fearlessness. It's that I'm aware and cognizant that I have the fear, but I don't let it deter me from stepping out on faith. There you go. That's what I like. And you mentioned Stallone, right? When he he tried to sell his script, right? Knowing he wanted to play Rocky, right? And I love how he stuck to his guns. He told him, nope, unless I'm the star, you ain't getting it, right? And look what happened, right? And um, mm-hmm. and it's just like other people, right? Who it's like, I love how you said, right? You don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Mm-hmm. And all it is, is how you overcome that fear is taking that first step, right? And again, Rocky, the analogy I love, you know, in the lot, well, I think it was five where he's telling his son, right? It's not how hard you could get hit and hit. It's about getting knocked down and getting back up and keep moving forward, right? Because you're worth it, basically. I'm paraphrasing, right? I love that part, right? And you know, I know we both have been knocked down, right? But we haven't let it keep us down, right? That's right. And, and. You know, I used to beat myself up like, oh, you're 55, bro. Like, you're an old fart. You can't be doing this stuff. And, but like God, I have guys like you and my, my little crew and, you know, the people that support me go, ah, stop listening to that and go out there and get it. Cause you should have seen when I started this podcast or before I started, right? I was always making excuses with my coach at the time who, God rest his soul, passed away in 2021 of, of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget every time we meet, like, and I share this every, almost every episode, right? But I want people to understand there's people that care about you. If they're pushing you, it's because they see some greatness in you. And so what happened was I kept giving excuses and he's like, all right, right. And then the last time before he passed, he goes back because I made the mistake of mentioning I'm going to start a podcast, right? And he was like, I'm going to hold this guy to it, right? So every time, and that last time. I said, well, Lonnie, I'm 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 gonna learn how to edit all of a sudden. And this guy never cussed, but he was like, fucking Max, just start it. Perfect doesn't mean done. Just do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday I released episode 105. And I attribute that to that gentleman pushing me and going, just do it. You know what I mean? It's like the Nike commercial almost. Just do it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you miss all the shots that you don't take, as Definitely. they say, right? And I love that as an accountability partner. And I love that, you know, you're right. Oh, at 55, I can't do it. True. But I tell you what, at 65, even worse, you waited 10 years. So don't do that. At the same time, I heard somebody say, well, one, there's always a good excuse. There's never a good reason. That's Jim Rohn. But more importantly, I heard someone, I don't remember who it was, but he basically said, oh, I shouldn't do this because it's going to take too much time. And someone said, it doesn't matter. The time's going to pass either way. Get it done. Absolutely. And that's my mission, right? Is help as many people as I can have fun with this podcast, interview guys like you. So I appreciate that. So my next question for you, right? Second, happiness. If you see, I put a Y in it. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> what does happiness, knowing I put that Y in it, what does happiness mean to you? And how does happiness show up in your life today, Cliff? Wow, that's such a loaded question. As I was working on the book and studying happiness, you know, I interviewed Jen Lim, if you've ever read her stuff, who does the Delivering Happiness Project, which was an outshoot of the late great Tony Sai and Zappos, uh, who sold to Amazon for an obscene amount of money. But essentially, what we know about Western culture in America, it's like we on a happiness scale are much lower than you would think for how much money is here. So we know that money is not necessarily happiness. And there's a certain point where you make a certain amount of money that you won't be any happier after that point. And it's actually lower than you think. I think it's like 70,000, 75. It's like not an obscene amount. It's like, you know, at that point, this you're you are satiated where you won't become happier from that alone. Right. Uh, for me, I think happiness for me is moving the needle forward a little bit each day. So for me, that could be sending an email, that could be doing this podcast, that could be writing on a guest blog or, or working on music, whatever it is, is that I know I'm the happiest when I know I'm using my gifts that God gave me. Again, like I said, when you talk about the talents, at the end of my life and legacy, and when I stand before God, I want to hear you used your gifts to the max that you could have done. That's it. Because I feel like anything else is less than I could have been. Like there's so many songs that have gone to the grave. People just never got them out. And I think that's the worst thing to go to the graveyard and have it so rich with potential, but you just didn't get it out there. And because there's so many ways now, like I said, you don't have to be perfect to start a podcast. There's so many easy ways to get that out there. Yeah, it might be clunky. You're going to learn as you go. There's nobody, you know, the first pancake, you toss it out. It's, it's never always good. The first, you don't have to, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. If you don't start, then you can never finish. You can never put anything out there. And then nobody can ever see that talent and that gift. It's like, even if you help one person, there was a band, I think Velvet Underground, they put out their first album. Maybe they sold 500 copies. They were like, they didn't sell a lot of copies, but everybody who listened to that record started a band. That's the thing. It doesn't matter how many of you help. You don't know that one person you help today might become the next Martin Luther King or Obama, whoever. From that one little thing you said or did, right. you know, that you don't know. But the thing is, is that if you don't do anything, then nothing happens. I'd rather have the possibility and the potential by putting a lot out there than knowing at the end of my life I could have put more out there and I just didn't do it because... I was too fearful or I wasn't pursuing happiness. That's why the forefather said you have the right to pursue happiness. It will not come to you. It doesn't just right. show up. You right. have to happen to life to be able to pursue and, and find and figure out what happiness means to you. And that's going to be different for everybody. That's right. And I love that because we have to make life happen. It ain't going to come up and knock on our door and go, hey, we're here. Let's go party. You know what I mean? So um, I appreciate that. I love that um cliff um so a lot i like to ask now so where can the audience get your book or someone wants in your area or anywhere wants hey i really love cliff's that interview you did with cliff how can i get him to mentor me i don't know how you if you work with Vita, how can people get a hold of you cliff and your music and your book and all that good stuff yeah, well, uh, all my social media is at Cliff Beach Music. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everyone can find me there. YouTube, we have stuff. All the streaming platforms, you'll find my music under Cliff Beach. 
just like it's spelled, just like the cliff beach, like the beach. If you're pronouncing it any different, you're pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> and then from there, um, the book is on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, so you can find it on Amazon.com. Uh, it's Side Hustle and Flow. SideHustleandFlow.net is the website. And I do have an email address if anyone wants to message me, cliff at SideHustleandFlow.net. And I am taking uh, some clients, um, like a small subset of clients, but I'm definitely happy to, to help and to speak with whoever I can because I think uh, this life is a journey and, uh, you know, we can all help each other learn a little bit of what we know. And I most certainly don't know everything. And I may or may not be able to help you, but I, I darn sure will try. There you go. I love it. And again, I appreciate you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule and being here with us and, and sharing some value with my audience. But before you go, you got, you're not off the hook just quite yet, right? I like to ask one last uh, question of, of my guests. And that is, it goes like this. What one piece of advice would you give my audience, Cliff, to help them grow as a human being and become better people? To become a better person, plant as many seeds as possible. Some of those things that spring up are going to be past your lifetime, which I think is important as legacy. You should always be thinking about what am I going to leave behind for the next generation. But more importantly, when you think about planting, one, if you don't plant, you can't harvest. Super important to know. But more importantly than that is that you don't have a one-to-one -one relationship between planting and harvesting. You don't plant one seed and get one apple. Like that, would, that would be futile. It's like you get apples on a big tree and they keep coming back and they keep coming back year after year after year if you keep watering that. At the same time, know that seeds are going to spring up at different times. You have the bamboo tree that you have to plant and water for five years and you don't see anything. And all of a sudden, it shoots up 90 feet at year five because it has been growing the roots to be able to sustain that growth. So again, it's like, it's not about getting it all right. Believe me, you're going to plant seeds. Some are going to fall on fertile ground. Some are going to fall on ground that you can't grow anything. Tupac said, I'll be that rose that grows from concrete. Believe me, I've seen it all. I've seen the death of rose. I've seen all these things. I've seen the impossible become possible. I've seen miracles. But at the end of the day, plant as many seeds as possible because that's going to give you the most potential for a whole bunch of things to spring up way bigger than you could ever imagine god's plan always bigger than ours but the that's timing right. always different so just know everything takes longer than you think but at the same time starting as early as possible makes finishing as early as possible i love it thank you cliff thank you so much for being here you heard it, everybody. If Cliff made you think, if he made you smile, if he made you, as I say, go, hmm, and if he gave you some value, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review so people can find the podcast. Until next time, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Max. We'll see you next time. Are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles? Join the fearless happiness lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future. Explore past podcast episodes and get a copy of the Fearless Happiness book to ignite your inner strength. If you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma, know that we are here for you. Visit maxnaist.org, M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T dot O-R-G and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Fearless Happiness.